Well, good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Business Basics. My name is Lee Iben and our guest today is Aaron, who is the CEO of ProCircular based right here in the Midwest. Welcome, Aaron. Glad to have you here today. Hi, Lee. Thank you for having me on your show. You better believe it. So, Aaron, you and I were chatting a little bit about ProCircular and and full disclosure, when I first heard the name, I thought it was one of those big arrow saws that cuts concrete, right? So tell me, it's not that at all. So, Aaron, how did you come up with the name and tell us quickly what it what it's all about? The the ProCircular. So we're a cybersecurity and compliance firm. And uh, you can think of the the circular part of it as concentric circles of trust. So really good security is built around multiple layers. Good, good, Uh, good. And and that's sort of the working thesis for the firm. Um, We do uh, proactive work to help organizations uh, get protect themselves from uh, cyber criminals. Uh, We do monitoring work, uh, which is essentially looking at your network to make sure that bad things aren't happening. And uh, we do uh, some of the incident response work, some of the, um, you know, the the phone number that you don't want to have to call if something bad has happened. Um, If you need us to help uh, a Russian or a Chinese hacker find the door, um, we do that work as well. And you can all, you can do that. I mean, you don't have to do an on-site visit for that. You can do that uh, digitally, mobily, right? It's it's actually one of those, um, uh, one of those things that's come as a result of uh, COVID. Um, yeah. uh, we, um, we had to remove geography from the equation this year. Yeah. Uh, so uh, pretty much any of the work that we, uh, that we do can be done regardless of geography, whether it's, okay. Uh, here in the state of Iowa, or you know, across uh, across the country. Wow! Wow! All right. So now we were talking beforehand, Aaron. That so uh, I think of cybersecurity threats. You know, the election that's got all the all the media play lately. But you're you're talking uh, also ransomware. Can you talk about that a little bit as well? Sure, sure. Um, you know, it's one of the greatest threats right now. I think statistically, it is the greatest. Um, uh, uh, threat we've seen um, just in the last year and a half, we've seen uh, the cost of ransomware, the the, the amount of the ransom uh, go on average uh, from around forty thousand to north of ninety thousand um, dollars. the the uh, The real impact of ransomware isn't so much uh, the dollar amount or, or the amount that they've demanded; it's the impact on an organization. Um, mm-hmm. it, can, it can last months or years. Um, you know, it takes everybody uh, getting together and um, trying to deal with the problem at the same time. So you've got your CEO, your CFO, your business development people, all of your IT folks, um, people in customer service. Regardless of the size of your organization, it takes your attention away from growing the company. So right. while the ransom may be expensive, the real cost is the the long-term impact that it has on your, your company's ability to grow. Um, and, and this isn't just like big conglomerate companies, is it, Aaron? No. Uh, in fact, more and more um, smaller firms are being targeted. Really, the, the hackers right now are looking for organizations that are most affected by downtime. Uh, so rather than thinking of you know your large um, network of hospital, uh, think of um, a regional hospital or even smaller than that. Uh, think think about uh, a small manufacturer where uh, they have a deadline that they have to meet contractually. They're obligated to. Um, hackers know that that those manufacturing firms are very sensitive to time. 
they pick a company that they know uh, if they're down for two or three days, it can cost them five and six times the amount of the ransom. So it's easier to pay. Um, they wow. they inten- intentionally target those folks. So they, um, in layman's terms here, because this, this is not my forte and help me out with this, Aaron. So they, they target a small regional hospital and they, do they just lock up everything like patient files and everything or how do they do that? Yeah, they uh, typically they'll they'll take big pieces of the infrastructure. They'll lock it up so that people can't get in. So actually, as we're speaking, um, there is a hospital here in the Midwest that my team uh, is helping to resolve those issues. Um, nurses can't um, uh, can't get in and log their time. Um, there are uh, people who they aren't able to check into the hospital as a result mm. of those those sorts of things. And you know, especially during COVID. Uh, it, it's kind of an unforgivable sin. Um, you know, it's, it's really uh, affecting patients. It's, a, it's affecting patient safety. Um, it affects the lives of people involved. I mean, you think about going in to get a procedure done. Um, right. And you've got your usual day where you go in and check in and wait in the waiting room and everyone's sort of nervously looking at one another. Imagine having to wait an extra six hours and then being told that you need to go home and come back tomorrow because they can't get into the system. I mean, that's oh the, gosh. the real impact of right. ransomware in a, in a hospital. So you get the phone call from regional hospital and they say, we've got this problem. What's your team do? Uh, the first thing that we do, it's a lot like entering a crime scene. Um, mm. You go in and you see, um, you know, what's the lay of the land? What kind of damage has been done? Uh, frequently um, in, in 2020, it's who else has been invited to the party. So you'll have a, a hacker who gets into the system and then they have credentials. They have a login and they have a password to a powerful account. Uh, frequently, they'll go on the dark web and sell that and they'll sell it five and six times. So you may not have just one bad guy. You may have two or three creeping around inside of there. So um, if you close up shop for one of them, you may not have dealt with the other two threats. So we take okay. a quick look at, at you know, who else is in the environment, take snapshots of the environment so that we can um, uh, preserve it for their insurance, so that, we can pre- uh, so that we can do some analysis to figure out who it is that we're dealing with. You know, is this right. some kid, kid in a basement or is this, you know, a Russian FIS operative? Um, you can usually tell that by looking at what they've done with the environment. And then we start the process of uh, rebuilding. Um, In some cases, uh, and this is a rare exception, but in some cases uh, you do the math and if the the cost of uh, paying the ransom greatly exceeds, uh, uh, or if the cost of the downtime greatly exceeds the cost of the ransom, sometimes you have to consider that that possibility. Um, Really? So, yeah, so it's, kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Yeah. Nobody likes to make that phone call. I mean, um, as personable as we as we tend to be, that is not when you want to get to know us. It's not, you don't want to go meet the FBI for the first time at 2.30 in the morning on a Tuesday, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's, or at all. When, yeah, that's not when deep, solid relationships are built. So that's, honestly, that's why we like to do uh, the proactive work so much yes. more. It, it prepares, hopefully it helps them to avoid that situation completely, yeah. but it, it prepares them for game day. If something like that happens, you've answered a lot of those questions ahead of time. Right. 
Okay, so you guys started in 2016, you and your business partners. How have you been marketing your services to others? So there, I mean, first of all, an average business owner doesn't even think about this stuff, and they should be. Um, but then, how how do they find out about you? Well, uh, you know, initially we um, we started as a lot of companies in the Midwest, a lot of companies in Iowa too. We we worked really hard to get those first few customers and mm-hmm. um, bent over backwards to make sure we delivered quality, that we explained things in a way that made sense. Uh, and if those clients were happy, they referred us to to other clients. That's uh, the word of mouth has been a, a big part of how we've grown. Um, we actually just won um, uh, the fastest growing company in the quarter. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. that's great. Um, so how many how many employees do you have, Aaron? Uh, as of today, I think we're up to 32. Um, wow. Yeah, so we've grown quite a bit uh, over the last three years, four years. Um, uh, and it, it the, the really cool part is that it takes all kinds of different people to do what we do. So uh, we recruit really heavily from uh, places that you might guess, you know, Iowa State's cybersecurity program. Um, mm-hmm. But we also have deep relationships with um, community colleges. Uh, so we do mm-hmm. internships with Kirkwood. Uh, we do a lot of outreach with the University of Iowa. Um, uh, some organizations outside of the state, DMAC. We have a really good relationship with DMAC in Des Moines. Right. Um, so uh, not only are we able to build this business by by working in the Midwest, we're able to do it with individuals that are kind of born and raised and educated here in the state. Um, That's so great. It's been a, a real boon to uh, to Iowa. Um, it's been a really great place to start a business, honestly. Wow. Uh, and, and not everybody within your organization are probably digital nomads. You probably have an HR person as well or, or a kind of reach out person. Yep. We've got um, people who work project management as a big part mm-hmm. of what we do. Uh, marketing and digital advertising. Um, you know, we've got a, a great group there. Um, you know, it kind of goes without saying sales is a, is a big part of it and, and translating. Sure. And you know, not every not every sales rep can sell what we sell. It's a it's kind of right. a complicated thing. So you have to be yeah. able to strat- straddle the technical and the um, sort of operational aspects of cybersecurity in order to in order to be successful in that line of work. Exactly. Um, all right. So COVID nineteen, you guys are going strong. And how did how did COVID impact your business, or did it impact your business? It did. Um, I worked in biotech for over 20 years. So okay. uh, I I have colleagues that still work at places like CDC and so forth. Early this year, uh, actually March 15th, we scheduled pandemic practice because um, from the conversations I was having with people in, in the biotech world, it seemed like something bad was going to happen and I wanted to be ready for it. So uh, we took uh, the week of March 15th and called it pandemic practice and nobody was allowed to go into the office. Uh, And um, technically I think we're still practicing. Uh, None of us have been back to the office since. Um, Really? Yeah. Uh, It's, it's changed significantly how uh, we've operated. Um, The services that we deliver can be done regardless of geography. Um, Mm -hmm. the relationships that that we've built and how we scaled the the business uh, has changed. Uh, We now have employees in Minnesota, Missouri, Ohio, um, I think soon to be uh, Illinois or in the Chicago area. Um, 
And, you know, um, ours is a fairly technical firm and a fairly young company. So I think we were able to make that transition more smoothly than, you know, a company that uh, was more like traditional manufacturing where you you have to be there to operate the lathe. Um, right. so the lathe in our case is a, is a keyboard. Um, yeah. So a lot of what we do, you can do from, from anywhere. So to, to a certain degree, COVID forced us to become what we needed to become. Um, right. A, a company that is able to operate with or without space. So, so in a company that works in the manner that you do now, uh, during COVID post, no, not post COVID yet, hopefully soon. Right. But since your, since your landscape, your physical landscape has changed, how do you how do you measure those KPIs, those key performance indicators that you have set up for your employees and your sales staff? I mean, it's more than just a Zoom call once a week, right? Sure. Um, you know, we use a lot of the traditional uh, financial metrics, um, uh, revenue per FTE, and um, uh, um, in on the operational side of things, we look a lot at how many people it takes to accomplish a specific kind of. Uh, of project, the fact that it's virtual um, or that that um, those people are more dispersed has certainly affected communication. You know, you can't just walk into somebody's office and sit down and go through the numbers. But um, the metrics themselves have really not changed all that much. I think right. probably probably the greatest change in COVID has been in sales, where. Um, you know, a lot of our uh, growth, a lot of the relationships that we've built were done over lunch or over uh-huh. coffee. Um, a tour of the organization, um, you know, is always a big a big part of what we do. We can't do that now. So right. we've had to get pretty creative about how to build those relationships, how to prospect um, uh-huh. without the ability to go deliver cupcakes, you know. Right. It's that personal touch that really helps. I mean, we thought it was a nice thing before COVID, but now we're realizing, no, it was essential. It really was. It really was, especially in an area like cybersecurity. Um, so much of what we do is based on trust. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, Say what you will about your relationship with your, um, let's say your tax planner, you know, your, right. your, your accountant. Um, in that case, you're, you're really talking about financial risk, mm-hmm. but to, to an individual, um, the risk in your life is so much more than that. And the, the same is true to a business. So um, take, for example, that hospital. Um, certainly there is a financial component to, uh, to that risk, but also uh, there is a reputational risk. Uh, right. there's, a, there's a larger safety risk associated with the cybersecurity. Um, there are also compliance requirements and you know, things that you have to do um, in order to operate a hospital, a company that works with a cybersecurity firm like ProCircular trusts mm-hmm. us with all of those risks. Right. Um, and so those relationships need to be tight. Um, mm-hmm. they, they, there needs to be real depth to um, the trust that we build with our, with our clients. And, um, you know, that's, it's, it, it, especially in the Midwest, uh, it's more of a challenge when you can't, shake somebody's hand. Um, right. You know, You're so true. I mean, we're used to that, right? A pat on the back, um, firm handshake. You better believe it. Luckily, um, we, we had a few years to build those sort of handshake-based relationships. So now a lot of our growth is based on prior experience. So the yeah. person who's the head of IT at 
a bank will say to another bank, these guys are solid. Um, we've trusted them for years. Right. Take my word for it. You can, they're, they're a solid firm. You can work with them. That's great. Um, that's where a lot of our growth is coming from. It means so much. Uh, so 2016, four years plus, what's, what's the, what's the learning kernel that you can share with somebody else? What, what's that big, uh, the blinding flash of the obvious, the BFO, what would you, what would you say that was? Yeah, uh, it was a, a lesson that um, Dave, uh, was one of the founders of Workiva, taught me. Um, okay. early, early on, we worked with the IEDA, the Iowa Department of Economic Development, mm-hmm. and uh, we had to pitch. We had to give a, you know, a, um, a set of projections, and this is the sort of operating thesis of the firm, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, went to that meeting, put, had put together a financial projection, I spent a lot of time with JPEC and um, the Papa John Entrepreneurial Center. So, uh, both as uh, as a as a participant, but as well as a judge. I, I, sure. I, um, so I've judged countless pitches. I wasn't going to give them just that J curve that everybody right. gives them. You know, hundred thousand this year, and in three years we're all going to be driving Maseratis. Yeah. <laughs> right. I respected these guys too much to to put numbers like that in front of them. So we we put a lot of time and effort into our um, forecasting and planning. David Workiva uh, said, you know, when we after this is fast forwarding after three hours of pretty intensive questioning, he said, right. uh, "Who put these numbers together?" And I said, "Well, I, I did with my controller and you know helped from a couple of." Folks at uh, at the Tippy School, um, right? Uh, graduated the MBA program there, and he said, "You know, these are the most detailed financials. This is the most realistic forecast I think we've ever seen." So, congratulations! And I said, "Well, thank you. That means a lot. It's countless mm-hmm. hours." And he said, "Now knock it off, close this spreadsheet, and don't open it again for three years. Go out and get your nose bloody." Get out and talk, <laughs> talk to 200 customers, talk to 300 customers. You need to get out and meet your customers. So because, and what he was saying essentially was that this is all nice. Um, it's nice that you've thought this through and you don't know whether any of it's true until you've gotten out into the market and talked to your customers. And so true. He, he was absolutely right. And it was a very hard lesson to learn, um, but um, the firm's success has a lot to do with that observation. So right. wherever you are, thanks, Dave. Really appreciate the advice. Uh, exactly. You know, we, we boil that down to a principle, call it B times do equals have, right? And we know what we want to we know what we want to have at the end, but it's the doing that we have to. I mean, it all looks good on paper, right? But get out there. And I come from a sales background. You got to knock those doors, sometimes knock those doors down <laughs> to yep. meet people. For sure, I you know I feel a little bit like an outcast in uh, the entrepreneurial world. You know, you get together for these events where entrepreneurs come together and sort of celebrate. Like, isn't it great that we can set our own schedules and that we can be here in flip flops, drinking coffee at two o'clock on a Wednesday? And I have uh, since that day, and it's it's the experience of growing ProCircular since that meeting with uh, uh, with IEDA. It, I've always felt guilty. It's like, you know, I need to be back at the office calling. <laughs> I've got a right. coffee machine back there. We can do the celebrating part of this later. Like that's right. I got I've got calls to make. You know? Exactly. And that's that's <laughs> the business owner mentality, right? We just we don't ever shut off. 
I mean, if we're not working, we're thinking about it. It's a company holiday, actually. Uh, Veterans Day is an official company holiday, and I've been doing forecasting all all morning long. I love Uh, it. I love it. Well, Aaron, thank you for joining us. Don't go away. I've got to wrap this up, but um, thank you all for watching this episode of Business Basics. Our our guest today was Aaron Warner, and he is the CEO of ProCircular Cybersecurity based right here in the Midwest. Aaron, thanks so much. Thanks, Lee. You bet.